okay, it's part of the story, that's fine. But it definitely shows uh, Earl Woods is definitely the villain in the in the uh, in the show. And all my friends are like, you know, oh, I feel so sorry for you know Tiger Woods. He lost his childhood and all these things. I'm like, y'all, y'all act like he's not Tiger Woods. Like he's not yeah. worth, you know, like he hasn't won the most golf holes, the most golf championships, the most uh, major championships ever. Hello, everyone. It's time to put on your dad hat. On today's episode, we have Mark Ryle, who has recently authored Run Daughter, Run Father, an autobiographical account of his daughter's running journey that surprisingly sparked his own journey into competitive running. Mark is an author, painter, golfer, and triathlete. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Mark. How are you? I'm great, Lee, and thanks for uh, having me on your show, The Dad Hat. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being on. So, uh, <clears throat> I, I've been uh, reading a little bit about you. You've uh, recently had a book that came out, and um, man, honestly, it looks like you got a list of things that you, that you do. You, it looks like you play golf, you're a painter, mm-hmm. you used mm-hmm. to be an economics teacher. So, so let's, let's start with um, what got you into, uh, into writing. Into writing, yeah. That's, uh, I don't know the, the, the uh, some unknown force from above or beyond, because if you had asked me... Um, any time in my life, I'm now 63, but any time, I would never, ever have said I would write a book. I didn't even like English. That was my least favorite subject whenever I studied. Um, and um, I do read. I mean, I do read, but I never thought I'd be a uh, writer. So, uh, yes, I have written a, a fiction, a science fiction book, which has done pretty well, actually, on genetic engineering and uh, a sort of dystopian type thing. And then uh, this most recent book. right? Yes. Yeah. And then the most recent book is uh, very different. It's nonfiction. It's a sports book about um, the running and training adventures of shared by my daughter and I. <clears throat> excellent, excellent. Okay, so uh, what were you just reading about CRISPR and, and starting to? I, I know you you uh, were a professor at a college, so were you hearing it through the grapevine there, and then and then just started listening in and, and wanted to write about it. Uh, no, actually, it was just happenstance. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, my daughter got me into all the running stuff and now triathloning. So that's sort of the story of that book. And we can talk about that later. But it was actually her initiative and she dragged me into it. And uh, I'm I'm a better person, I think, because of it. So it's one of those father-daughter things where the daughter influenced the father more in a positive way. Anyway, so I got into triathloning and then in triathloning, everything's age group. So like when I compete, uh, I'm competing against 60 to 65 year olds. We don't worry about all the young bucks and professionals, right? But you get to know people in, in your own age group. And um, uh, I was lucky enough to make it to the world championships for Canada in the triathlon. So at that event in uh, Switzerland, um, a lot of people were in my age group were saying, well, people who are 60 or 61, have a huge advantage over the ones who are 64 or 65. And I'm like, whoa, that's, can you really tell the difference between a 61 and 64 year old? And they said, yeah, like three years of aging um, matters a lot. So, cause you do decline a little bit over at that in that age group, right? So, um, so I started researching it and I found out that um, on the genetic engineering front, on the scientific front, there are some serious, there's some serious research going on right now with the intent to um, stop aging and maybe even reverse it. And uh, these scientists are serious, like they're not, they're not a joke. They, uh, George Church, for example, at Harvard University thinks that he can, will stop. He calls it the disease of aging. We will eradicate aging and even give people the option of reversing their aging. So I wrote a book uh, about that on the genetic engineering front with aging as one of the things that they try to change in the book. So uh, I think, I hope that answers your question on how I got into it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so let's, let's go to uh, your daughter influencing you to, to, to uh, be a triathlete. So, let me just let's back up even further though. When you were uh, in your younger days, did you were you an athlete? 
Yeah, I did do some running in high school, although they I wasn't really that interested in it. I was like, you know, you know, in high school sometimes you have your head in other space, right? So they they always tried to get me to come out for the cross country team, but I didn't do that till grade eleven. So it took them three years to convince me. Uh, but then I loved it when I did it, um, and I ran a marathon, two marathons in my early twenties. But then I stopped. Like I got injured, uh, like a lot of runners do when they run pretty hard. And I stopped outright and I did not run till my daughter, like I mentioned, my daughter getting back into it uh, in my 40s. So let's say I had about a 25 year hiatus and my daughter did not know that I had run. I don't think I'd ever even mentioned it. So she, um, when she was seven years old, this first chapter of my book, she said, daddy, I want to run around the block. And I'm like, why would you want to run around? And my, my wife and I both looked at her and uh, said, you know, seven-year-olds, they don't want to, they want to run, but they want to play soccer or run after a ball or do something else. So she was playing hockey too. She played a lot of hockey. But uh, so we found that strange. We asked her and she said, well, we have a school race coming up in three weeks and we'd be doing a little bit of running in school and I want to prepare a little more. So I said, okay, well, we're not going to stop her. But so I had to find some <laughs> running shoes and uh get out of my sedentary existence as a father and join my lovely daughter. And uh, I remember those first steps like yesterday. She uh, she was going to, and I was doing, you know, one stride for every three of hers, but she was looking up, smiling at me, and we were running around uh, the block together. And that, that changed me. That got me back into um, serious running and... Um, yeah, that that was the impetus for me too. So she thought I was doing it for her, but in a way she was doing it for me. Yeah, I can definitely see, um, you know, how that blossomed. Great thing for you. Good thing for her. So now she, she runs in college? She does, yeah. So she's now in, um, let's see, I guess, uh, seventh year of college. She's in med school right now, so she's a pretty serious student. She's run, she ran for the University of Western Ontario, ran for the University of Waterloo. And she now, she's done five years of running for college, so she's lost her eligibility. She can't run anymore for a team there. So she, but she's running on her own. She's doing trail runs, track running, and, and um, road racing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> so let me ask you, when you guys started running together, and, I, you know, I... I don't want to get it too far into the book. Was it something that um, your daughter, uh, did y'all feed off of each other, y'all's energy? I'm, I'm sure that's something that, I, you know, if I were to imagine, oh, dad's running, I better run too, or I better run a little bit more than dad or, or that sort of thing. Yeah, actually, believe it or not, Lee, it was the reverse because she was always very motivated to run. And I might, now this is the important theme in the book is that, I had to sort of rein her in, pull her in, slow her down, temper her enthusiasm because she started reading. I mean, by the time she was 10 or 11 years old, she became pretty fast already. And she like, she won the Toronto cross country championships. That's with, you know, I don't know, 20,000 grade, grade seven girls. She was the first in that group. Uh, so she was, I knew she was a talented runner, a good runner. But it's very easy um, to get all excited as a parent and to um, sort of want to let her go as far as she wants. And at that point, you really have to guide them and you got to be very careful. So she was reading about um, the American runner, uh, Brianna Yusevskevich, I think that's her name was. And there was another runner, Alana Hadley, and they were running... 300 kilometers per month so let's say that's 75 kilometers per week so in miles 45 miles a week so per day uh almost seven miles a day on the average is 12 year olds that's a lot of running and so stephanie wanted to sort of like be like them i was reading about them on the internet and getting all excited because she was doing well and i was trying to rein her in so we had her running no more than maybe 25 to 30 percent of that mileage we really watched, we really watched it. So you're not going to run more than, you know, 75 kilometers per month, 20 kilometers, 20 kilometers per week, maybe. And may, but she did do some other sports. So she was playing soccer and hockey at the same time. So she was still active and pushing herself, but 
anyway, that's a main theme in my book. You gotta be, uh, you gotta be careful. You got the parent, you know, the dad hat on, you call it the parent hat and you have to, uh, I don't know. You don't want to, you got to think about that. Yeah. You're trying to prevent you. Sorry. You're going to probably, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're trying to prevent burnout, maybe burnout, injury, physical problems, physical problems. Um, there's a couple of runners in the United States. Mary Kane would be probably a really good example. Fantastic high school athlete. She set the American record in the mile. And she, um, I think she won the world junior championships. She was awesome. She was very fast. But she's written now recently that um, she pushed herself too hard. She got her body weight went way, way down. And she um, experienced some problems with osteoporosis and um, there's some other females that is, issues that especially females have to watch out for. And um, so she is in recovery right now. And I don't know where her running's at, but um, she's never been as fast as when she was like grade 10. Uh, now I think she's in her mid twenties or early to mid twenties. So we'll see what happens with her. And there's an athlete, Bobby Clay from the UK, same thing happened to her. She was a phenom, phenom in um, high school, but probably she admits she pushed herself too hard. Same issue. There's a, there's a condition called a female athlete uh, triad where you, you sort of, uh, you're amenorrhetic. That means you don't have your period because you're so skinny. And then because of that, your bone density doesn't develop correctly. And uh, so you can end up with uh, stress fractures and other issues and things. So anyway, so we were, I was reading about that too. And so was Stephanie. And that's part of the reason we were very cautious. You, you got to think of long-term, long-term, right? Especially for something like running, like if this is uh, playing the piano or something, you know, you, you got to go hard if you want to be like a, you know, you got to push, 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 and, and you're not going to, well, there's psychological things there too, but um but running, there's no need to push it uh, when you're 12 years old. Um, you could you could even wait till you're 18 or 19 to even start to become a world class runner. Most of them don't even peak till they're in their late 20s. So we were reading about that, and that's the, one of the main themes of the book: just watch out, don't get too excited too early, and uh, you know, because it was so so much fun watching her in races. And, win a lot of races and she got invites she got some invites down to the american races and um that was a lot of fun going to new york and philadelphia and, uh, so yeah that's that's the main theme i'd say in the book is watch out don't get in that what they call the parent trap where you get so, so enthusiastic you then let them push themselves or maybe you even push them even more and then it becomes a a dangerous dangerous situation yeah um society has all of these um these stories to maybe you know slow the we we see it on tv and 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 parents are are real weary about maybe a dad pushing too hard which definitely is happens often especially in in the south of you know uh as far as you know america goes but i also think that it go, it can go the other way too we see uh one of the one of the things that we touched on in my, in my last show was, um, you know, my guest, uh, Gary Gracia, he mentioned we're, we're emotionally weak as a society right now. And I'm, and I'm, you know, we kind of went back and forth on why that is. And, and I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you, do you think we are weak as a society right now emotionally? Yes, I do. And I certainly don't want to play into that. It's a balance, isn't it? It's a balance. So I've got the parent hat on and I've also got the coaching hat on with my daughter. And I guess when you have the dad hat, it's a great name for your show, by the way, the dad hat is always worn in conjunction with another hat. So it could be your, you know, your, your, uh, your work, your, maybe you're a manager at, at a, in your work. So you got your management hat on. And then you also have your husband or wife hat or spouse hat going, and then you there's your dad hat, right? So with Stephanie, I had my dad hat and my coaching hat, and I actually had a third hat on. I was training with her for a while, so I was like a training partner hat, like you know. And uh, that didn't last too long though, Lee, because she got her by the time she was fourteen or fifteen. Now you got to imagine I'm fifty five, right? Or no, I'm uh, 
yeah, about 55. And I'm slowing down. Faster and longer She's, than Yeah, there. that's right. I'm slowing down. She's getting, so now my, it used to, when we started, her hard run was my easy run. And by the time I'm about 55, she's 14. That's my hard run, just trying to keep up with her. That's just, she's just sloping along the easy run. And now I don't even bother. I don't even bother running with her. I, if I can get a bike, an e-bike or something, and then I'm with her, but that's about it. There's no way. She's just too fast. So anyway, all the hats are going on. All the hats. All right. So what do you, what would you equate to why, um, you know, we might be emotionally weak? What, what are some, some contributing factors or have you thought about it? Well, I think it's a, it's a philosophy of maybe, you know, the philosophy of equality for all and equity and all, all of those things, inclusion, which can be good things, right? But you can push it too hard where you, um, we as a society, as a group, try not to promote excellence. I think a good example is um, uh, Jacob Ingebrigtsen from uh, Norway, who's the world's best runner right now. He's amazing. So his father pushed him pretty hard. And, but in the culture there, they don't have that culture. <laughs> they don't have that culture of pushing. Like they want everybody, you know, sort of. So uh, there was some pushback there and some uh, resentfulness. Uh, but um, I think they finally did recognize, uh, you know, his contribution, the father's contribution to pushing his, and he had not just one son, but three sons that were all world-class runners. Mm. Um but, you know, I could even go back. You probably remember uh, Stephen Cole. Maybe you've heard the name Stephen Cole. He won the Olympic 1500 meters, and he was a, an amazing athlete. His father, Peter Cole, coached him. And Peter Cole uh, wrote a book about that experience. And Peter Cole, just like what you just said, Lee, felt like we have gotten too soft. And he talked about how everybody gets an award or a medal even though some people really maybe were way you know worked a lot harder and were way above so he said and i'll never forget it, he said a win has to be won uh, a win has to be won you can't reward people without them pushing hard or earning it and we don't we never want to get to that point so so when I'm talking this with Stephanie, she was very motivated. She still worked really hard, but there is a concept of overtraining uh, where you yeah. and, and, and getting injured and that you want to avoid too. So um, you got to find that balance. It's a very tricky balance, um, especially at the elite level. So I'm really talking at the elite level, hard pushing, hard going where the danger is going just a little bit too hard and then jeopardizing yourself. So. But there's a lot of effort there, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of determination, sweat and effort, and uh, make most no mistake about it. That's not soft people. Those are really, really, really motivated people and coaches. All right. Yeah, I've had the discussion a few times about uh, the one that comes to mind the most is uh, Tiger Woods. Uh, have you seen his documentary by chance about him and his father? Uh, no, Netflix, I, believe. I, I, you know, I should watch it, but I haven't read a lot about it. But go ahead. Yeah. It's what? Uh, yeah. Well, it's just, uh, it goes through and it definitely uh, shows you how hard Earl Woods was on, you know, Tiger. Um, and it, and it, it also associates uh, Earl Woods as bad decision making uh, as far as uh, morally, this moral decision making, if you will. He talks about, uh, it talks about um, his, uh, his times with other women outside of his wife and, Tiger Woods being exposed to that and all that stuff, which, okay, it's part of the story. That's fine. But it definitely shows uh, Earl Woods is definitely the villain in the, in the, uh, in the show. And all my friends are like, you know, oh, I feel so sorry for, you know, Tiger Woods. He lost his childhood and all these things. I'm like, y'all, y'all act like he's not Tiger Woods. Like he's not, yeah. worth, <laughs> you know, like he hasn't won the most golf holes, the most golf championships, the most, Oh, yeah. uh, major championships ever and uh he's not a billionaire he's not done all these great things does does earl woods not get any credit at all for you know yeah. this this empire that he's that he's built 
And it'd be another thing if, if Tiger Woods was depressed and not wanting to live any longer. And, and, you know, that would be one thing, but he's Tiger Woods. I, I mean, if we don't want to strive for greatness, I, I don't know. It, that's tough for me to swallow. That's a tough pill for me to swallow, not to want to strive for, for being awesome. And I, and that's another thing why, in my opinion, we're getting emotionally weak is, is we, um, we, you know, we don't like billionaires, you know, billionaires are terrible these days and, uh, the super successful, you know, they got it by oppression and it's just this continued. And I'm not saying oppression doesn't happen. I'm, it does. I get it. But at the same time to, you know, point the finger at a, uh, a person that, that's, that has a strong will and wants to, you know, he wants to impact the world, uh, instead of the world impacting him, you know, yeah. The, I, I just don't like the narrative that we're getting, you know, currently. So, yeah, no, I, 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 just, I hear what you're saying and I, I actually cannot disagree with, uh, and the, you know, the Tiger Woods thing from, on that with, um, um, I think the, there's some distractions on that. Like the fact that maybe the father wasn't, you know, the dedicated to his wife or whatever. It's easy. It's easy to criticize, right? You can always find poke holes from, you know, like you can go to Elon Musk, who's uh, one of the greatest billionaires and visionaries, uh, whether you like his politics or not. Like the guy has done a lot. He's forward thinking. He's the things that he's involved with are probably going to help the world, like, you know, electric uh, powered things and solar and, and, um, you know, he, so anyway, like you can criticize the guy all you want and how he, relates to his wife but the guy has accomplished more than you know eight billion other uh, people on earth will ever accomplish and um he's employed people he's produced jobs he's futurist so you know he's going to have his critics right uh okay. doing great things so um you know back to tiger uh, you know like, I, I don't know if you saw the documentary on the the williams sisters the tennis players the father there. Tim Richard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting one. Eh? You know, he pushed them hard too, but he was organized and he stuck up for them. And I don't think he was perfect either. He seemed to have a, he was a pretty hard-headed guy, but, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like that's how you, you're not going to get there by being soft. There's no way, like, or by expecting people to give it to you. You have to go out there and go yeah, for it. Definitely. Go for it. My wife's a big tennis player. She, uh, she played tennis in high school and in college, and she. Um, so we definitely watched that together. We've recently watched uh, Breakpoint as well, which is another tennis documentary. It's kind of. I don't know if you do you follow tennis. No, not really. Not really. Um, well, it's hard not to follow the Williams sisters, right? That was a world. That wasn't a tennis story. That was a you know a yeah. world story or whatever you want to say. So, but yeah. Um, uh, he was a. I, I don't know how how much of the uh, show was fiction, but him speaking to everyone that was telling him to um, be easier on his daughters and uh, to let up and and you know you're doing something bad to them somehow, and him responding with, "Look, I don't want my kids to be in the street. We live in Compton. You know, it's a terrible part of." of California because, you know, it's impoverished. It's uh, a lot of crime, everything, you know, we, I want them to grow out of it. Yeah. And if you don't like that, kick rocks. And I was like, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, there's that one scene in where the, uh, I don't know if it's like the social services people arrive at the house and try to accuse him of abusing them or something. And that, that, that's a very telling scene. He says, you know, anyway, um, so dads out there, uh, yeah, uh, parents. Um, you gotta you gotta balance it. Is that the is that what we're taking away from this? You you need to push for sure, but you can't push too hard. Yeah, push hard, but just remember if you're pushing pretty hard, and you and the and the remember it's hopefully they have that within them. They also want to, it's not just you pushing them. So luckily with Stephanie, it was she was quite motivated. She still is, by the way. And she um, in the forward to my book, she says. Uh, we bite heads a lot. Like her and I butted heads many times. And the the, the, the uh, theme was 
she would say, I want to go further, do more, go more races, whatever. And I was always saying, no, you're going to, you should watch out, be careful. That was the theme of us butting heads. But she says in the forward to my book that she's thankful for that because she never got injured. She's never been seriously injured and she still loves running and she's uh, having some pretty significant success. So, um, I think I was, what's she studying in school now? So she's studying medicine and she's in third year medicine right now. But she's still running and she's doing trail runs too. Like those, you know, those crazy, uh, I don't think I'd ever be able to do this, but like 50 K through the trails and the, uh, oh, yeah. that sort of stuff. She's tried a bit of that too, and, but she just said, is that, her, called, is that ultra marathon? <clears throat> yeah. It, ultra trails. Yeah. 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 You, have you heard of David Goggins? No. Okay. So David Goggins, he was a, um, uh, Navy SEAL and he's, he's basically a motivational guy for sure. Okay. But his motivation is so, uh, it's, it's not, Hey, uh, you can do this. I believe in you. It's like face, face how hard it is. Yeah. And don't complain about it. And let, you know, it, it's just as hit you in the face, but he's an ultra marathon runner and he talks about running for days. Yeah. I'm just like, Stephanie probably Stephanie probably knows him and probably read if he's read it written the book she's probably on that so <laughs> yeah he's got he's got a couple out there and it's a it's one of those uh you know horror stories as he was he had a terrible upbringing and and uh neglect and he was um way overweight and he used uh his grandfather was a was a uh, uh I can't remember Air Force person or something like that, and he goes to live with him because his parents were rough, and uh, he ends up going to the military too, and it, it turn, turns it around. So Fantastic! It's, I a, love- it's a good one. I'm a, I'm a fan. I love so. those stories. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. No, Stephanie never really. I mean, in my book, there are some challenges we have. Uh, for example, for her, one thing she had was exercise-induced asthma. We never knew that till grade nine. So she was lined up at the start of the Ontario Cross Country Championships. And she was in the top seating, like the top 10 girls. She was going to be one of them, maybe win, I don't know. So, uh, and in the race, uh, my wife and I were there and off they went and into the forest. So you don't see them, but they had spotters out there and announcers. So they would come on the microphone and say, and in first place is, uh, you know, Charlotte Prose from London Central High School, second place. So they're, they're naming it. And we never heard Stephanie's name, uh, at least the first kilometer. And Lynn and I are looking at each other like, isn't she supposed to be like, she was our conference champion. And, you know, anyway, so we were getting a little worried. And then two kilometers in still never heard her name it's only a three kilometer race for that for midget girls <clears throat> so now they start coming across the finish line we don't see her don't hear from her we don't see her at all like where'd she go she just but now we're really worried right and uh, what had happened it was her first exercise induced asthma attack um so she just her throat her breathing just seized up about 800 meters in she was out on the course being tended to she was okay like she when she stopped, she got her breathing back and she just walked back to the, uh, to the tent, to the school tent. And she, um, we talked to her and what happened, Stephanie, all that. Anyway, so this become a big issue. Uh, and, uh, we learned about that and it hit her in some other races too. Uh, that I mentioned the Philadelphia race, we went down to the great Penn relay. So it's fantastic. She was rubbing shoulders with Hannah DeBalzi and the other, um, top runners in the U S in a three K race, I think it was. And, um, Again, about halfway through, I could just see her going backwards in the field. And I was like, oh, my God. And she came around the corner. She was pointing to her throat. And I thought, oh, so she has another asthma attack, right? So that was very frustrating. But I said to Steph, you know, the two the two world record holders in the marathon in the world, um, Paula Radcliffe from UK and Haile Gebrselassie from Ethiopia, they both have asthma. So don't let it deter you. You'll either grow out of it or learn how to deal with it. And uh, it took a f- maybe three or four years, but she grew out of it and it doesn't affect her anymore. But it, that was very, very frustrating um, at the time. You know, you're all geared up for a race and then you can't even, you know, can't breathe, right? That's not good for a runner. <laughs> oh, I think I, need some, I think I need some oxygen, uh, you know. Yeah. So uh, she dealt with that and there was a lot of heartbreak. It was a long ride back from Philadelphia after that race because we 
drove down there and uh, that's where I had to have my parent hat on, take away the coaching hat and just have her talk, talking about other things, not worry about the race and do some comedy on the radio or play word games and listen to music and joke around because you don't want to obsess about that sort of thing. So is it something that, I mean, you said exercise induced asthma. Um, I mean, is it, uh, is it prevalent? I mean, does it happen a lot? Is yeah. it something that it's, it's pretty. It cool? is. Yeah. I think uh, maybe about 10% of um, people that age have some form of it. So they might need that, you know, that puffer they take. Uh, yeah. I, I can't remember the name of the chemical. They might take that as a bit of protection. Sometimes they take Albuterol? the. Albuterol? Yeah, I think so. It's maybe. the blue. uh it's the blue hole case and they puff mm -hmm. about 10 minutes before the exercise. And apparently that opens their airwaves and defends them a bit, but it didn't defend her. Like she would take that puffer and still had some blowups. Uh, then she took a drug called Singular, which is a once a day pill, which gives you even more protection. That seemed to help more, but she still, still uh, wasn't out of the woods totally. So it affects a lot of people. And with this, um, the conditions, if it's really humid or if it's really cool and crisp, sort of the two extremes, uh, or if there's a lot of pollen in the air, those sort of things, they usually get affected on those type of days. And also if there's more stress, so a race, a big race is going to add to your stress, right? Um, so stress, pollen, weird weather, all those things um, came into play. And uh, highly got lastly, the world record the male marathoner, he didn't even run in the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in the London marathon because of the quality of the air, the quality of the air there, he said would be probably not worth it for him. So yeah, probably like Los Angeles here. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. So uh, yeah, London's bad. Their, their air quality is bad. I've heard that multiple times. So, so although evidently there, the race, it was just fine. So he was presenting it, but he, he couldn't just show up like 24 hours before. Oh, I think the forecast is good. And the fog. Yeah. anyway, so, you know, we, everybody has their challenges. You're going to have challenges. Uh, I'm sure that, um, all the listeners out there, people who are really into something have had their obstacles, right? And that's what makes it such a great journey. Uh, so let me let me take you somewhere else. Is uh is is Stephanie? She married yet? Is she gonna? Is she? No, no, no she's not uh, married. She. So, one of the things that uh, we've been talking about recently was my wife is a, a leader at her company, and and she's quickly moving up the ranks. And and you know, uh, in Texas, that's not as it's becoming way more um, relevant, or or it happens often, but. Uh, Texas is a conservative place. You know, women are normally at the house taking care of the kids, taking care of the home, you know, homemakers. Yes. You know, that's still a thing in Texas. Yeah. Um, but is that something that, uh, in, in Canada, are y'all breaking through those barriers? Is it something that, uh, are, are women becoming leaders there more often? Is it a good thing for society? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're not that conservative. So we, uh, expect our women at least to become educated. And like, for example, in universities right now, there's more women in university than men. And in medicine, there's more women in universe in those programs than men. So, um, being a homemaker is uh it's it's there's no shame in that that's still highly respected but you could be a male homemaker too and there would be no shame in that either um like i have a brother-in-law who um spent a lot of his time at home he, he had two engineering degrees but he's a, he's a great guy but he was more of the person who brought up uh, the, the children because my my sister was like you said moving up in the corporate ranks so he would stay home, but he didn't just stay home. He did a lot of, um, he's really good with contracting work and fixing up houses and that. So he would actually fix up wow. the houses that he lived in and kept himself really busy. And then eventually they'd sell that house and move to another location. So he was a very busy guy, my brother-in-law, Pete. Uh, so that's an alternative. But no, we're pretty, uh, we expect uh, women to have all the opportunities. And uh, and then um, in the corporate world, women, and, you know, other, other groups too, right. You can cut and slice it different ways <clears throat> are expected. Uh, I'm not a big fan of a, affirmative action though, where you just give someone someone like, I like the idea of getting the education, 
putting them in the position to be successful. But I, I do not, I do not, I'm not a big fan of, uh, you just at the end, oh, no, give them a job because they're a female or because they have this skin, skin color or something like that. I don't think that's the right way to do it. Well, it, it's, um, it's basically taking away reality. I mean, <clears throat> you're it, in, in the, in the real world or what the best man for the job should get the job. Um, that's, that's usually how it goes. Don't get me wrong. There's some thing, there's some caveats to that for sure. Like there's some, you know, uh, it's not that simple all the time, No. but to, to make decisions because it makes a, uh, a company more diverse, but weaker as a, you know, uh, but weaker as a, a whole, that's just not the way to, I, I don't think that's right either. I think, um, you know, if, if, uh, the woman or a female <clears throat> is the, is the right person for the job, then, then she should get it. But if it's male, then, then he should get it. You know, it, it's, it's a rough time to, to say that it's, it's a rough time to be, um, you know, I hate to say this, but it's hard to be a white guy right now because the narrative is, Hey, they're the oppressor which I don't even like saying that because it's something that, you know, I've, I've been at the management level for a long time and through my career now. And I don't, I don't like, uh, you know, I don't like to be thought of that way, but you know, it's just part of it. I think, I think we'll grow through it because we're seeing some shift right now, which I don't like to give this guy a, uh, a platform by any means, but have you seen anything on Andrew Tate yet? Is no. that something no. you haven't seen him yet? Well, he's this guy that's getting a lot of um, he's getting a, a lot of attention right now because he says a lot of uh, misogynistic things, like you know, uh, women are on my property and stuff like that. He's, he he'll say that on air, but in all reality, he's just trying to get uh, attention. And there's so many people sick of the narrative of the blame game, the victimization, all that stuff that they're like, Oh, let's listen to this guy. Cause he's the opposite of that. Yeah. yeah. He's so anyways. Um, so Stephanie's going to be some sort of, uh, something in the medical field. She's going to be a doctor. Is that right? Yeah. She's interested in maybe family medicine. I don't know about down there, but we need doctors up here. There's something like, uh, 10 or 20% of people in Ontario can't even find a family doctor right now. So we need doctors. Uh, she's interested in uh, sports medicine too, for obvious reasons. But also she did a placement. Uh, she's now in the hospital is doing placements and learning, learning the ropes instead of just reading textbooks. So she did a psychiatry placement um, last month and she found that very fascinating. So maybe she'll end up doing that. I don't know. She's uh, pretty open right now, but she's liking... She's liking studying medicine and, and uh, she's working hard. She works hard there too. She's really, really hard. She's liking yeah. it. <clears throat> yeah. The, the mental part of uh, being an athlete and is, is massive. You don't really realize it while when you're, when you're young uh, or I didn't at least. Um, but if you can master yourself, you're, you're much uh, more likely to, to be a good athlete. Wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, and vice versa too, and and it might not even be sports. It could be like they they're always making connections with uh, music too, and other things that take discipline, right? So like uh, like the, almost every corporate CEO out there has studied the piano. Like I don't I don't know if that's just a correlation. I don't think so. There's something about having that discipline and a good upbringing and a parent looking over you, and maybe pushing you a bit, or at least giving you the opportunity to you know. Um, Music takes a lot of discipline, uh, becoming good at, at uh, an instrument like the piano, which I did not try <laughs> myself, but uh, I could see how that would connect with uh, future success, something like that, you know. Sure, um, sure. So um, I have a, my son's 26 months old, a little over two years old. Um, what kind of advice would you give me for uh, for the next 24 months of his life? Yeah, so he's going to start if he hasn't already <laughs> looking at sports on tv and or getting other activities and 
probably uh, showing some interest, maybe in starting to play a, a little bit like things like soccer. So uh, yeah, just give him all the, you know, present him with the buffet, you know, <laughs> like here, you want a little of this, you want to try that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you probably have some sports interest yourself. So maybe you can throw a couple of those in his direction too. But uh, yeah, and uh, maybe you even get involved with coaching, helping the coaching. They always need good coaches on teams if he joins a team pretty fairly soon that's all going to happen pretty fast just enjoy the ride it's, it's, it's a fast ride but it's a fun it's ride a yeah fast ride yeah so we we play a little golf already uh he's got a couple <clears> clubs <throat> and he goes out there with me and, and takes some hacks he plays a little bit of soccer too not he was in soccer he was a on a soccer kick for about a month he was saying it every single day yeah um but uh the thing that he's been doing the most recently is uh, I got him some drumsticks. Oh, yeah, and uh, and a little practice pad, drumstick practice pad, where it's not too, it's not a lot of noise, but it's some uh, some noise. And he's been doing that quite a bit. He uh, he's he's a little. I, I feel like I don't want to say addicted, but he's been wanting to watch TV a lot lately. But it's hard. It's a hard balance because we, what we let him watch is. Uh, you know, Paw Patrol or Coco Melon or one of these that has some learning involved, but he picks it up so well. It's hard for me to say, no, you can't watch too much TV, but because he's, he's verbally naming off what they're doing on the television and he's like blue, that's blue. And you know, that's a, that's a lollipop and JJ's about to eat that lollipop. And he's just telling me all about this show. I'm like, man, it's hard for me to say, no, we are watching too much TV because He's paying such close attention to it that he's yeah. getting something from it. For sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It can be very positive. So, um, but it sounds like he's ex- exploring an experiment, which is exactly what you want. So he's, he's got that curiosity. So you're going to be, you're going to have your heads full. That's great. Uh, yeah. He's something. What's it? What's his name? His name's Carter. Carter. All right. Yeah. 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 He, uh, uh, well, so his mom's Vietnamese. 100% Vietnamese, and so when we go visit that side of the family, it, it kind of seems like those kids or, or some of those kids are a little bit more quiet, a little bit more internal, and I'm an outgoing guy for sure and uh, like to socialize. Like I said, I, I, I like to I learn from other people, you know, and my son will walk in these family gatherings on, on her side of the family. And he'll just start introducing himself. Hi, my name's Carter. You know, <laughs> and all the other kids are going, "Who is this?" Kid? Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> he cracks me. Yeah, that's fantastic. Good. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, another another thing that uh, theme that we've had on, on the show a couple times is is walking the walk. So something I've noticed uh, for dads or or um, a good trait for a dad is to actually inherent the uh the actions and behaviors that you want your kids to have i mean is that something that you had to intentionally do with with stephanie or was it just you know you'd you'd already become the best version of yourself or how did that play out for you well i i like to think that i provided some good examples just on the running front i i embraced it and uh have been very competitive uh on and dedicated I still am. I'm, I'm going to, I just qualified for the world championships again, in the triathlon, um, a couple of months ago. So I'm going to Spain with my wife in September to, to run in that, to do that race. <clears throat> and, uh, that was a lot of hard work. So I, you know, I'm providing an example also on the education front. I worked hard, um, you know, spent 10 or 11 years in university and my, my wife and I are you know, worked hard on our education. And as teachers, we've always been involved with very positive things for students' education. And then coaching, I've done a lot of coaching, which um, translates well, I think, as an example. Coaching cross-country running, track and field. And then writing this book, I just, it's a, to me, it's, um, you know, it's it's compelled from within me and I, I hope that that motivates her i know in the forward to the book she does thank me for um trying to for keeping her loving running and not not getting injured and whatnot and, and um 
that really meant a lot to me when I saw her write that. So, um, yeah, you try to do your best as a parent. And uh, I'm very proud of her doing the medicine thing. I don't think I would have done medicine because you got to be, <laughs> you got to be dedicated to that one thing more than I would have. I, I have too many other interests and I really admire that fact that she's going to dedicate herself to that one discipline. Um, that scared me. I thought of going into medicine. I said, no, I don't think that's me, but I do think it is her. I think she can do it. And, uh, my wife and I, my wife, Lynn and I are very proud of her for that too. So it works both ways. And that's the theme of my book, run daughter, run father is that, you know, we always think parents are going to influence the kids, but it does work both directions. And you can, like you say, I think you just said feed off of each other. That's the mm-hmm. positive dynamic that you want to see and that you can see. Um, we have a golfer from Canada who just won the, uh, the big uh, women's major, top 30 women, Brooke Henderson. And yeah. uh, she's a good example because she, uh, her father taught her. She's from a small town that most people in Ontario haven't even heard of. And her father taught her. Her father was a golf pro, so he knew what he was doing. And then her sister got involved too. Her sisters are caddy. So they're all feeding off each other. And it's very positive from what I understand and very successful. So Brooke Henderson is a wonderful role model um, for Canada, for Canadian women golfers. And even the men are looking at each other like, hey, she, she can do it. Maybe we can uh, beat all those uh, Americans and other people across the world because golf's a very international sport, but good for Brooke, good for her family. And um, her older sister is her caddy. Her older sister wanted to be a pro, but she recognized that Brooke was really the, uh, was going to be more successful. So she stopped golfing as a pro and became Brooks caddy and support. So she goes everywhere with Brooks. So it's a great story. Great positive feedback. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll look into that one for sure. You mentioned something just a little while ago. Um, it seems like your personality is, uh, I don't want to call it a dabbler, but you like to paint, you like to golf, you run, uh, you do, uh, you're a triathlete and it seems like your daughter is kind of maybe honed in on medicine and honed in on running <clears throat> alone. Is that right? Like, yes. Did, yes. So, so did you notice that early on or was it something that, uh, you know, you had to, oh, she's just really not like, not the same as me. You know what I mean? Or how did that go? That is a difference. And I, I tend to be more scattered than most people. So I've like done, like even my education <clears throat> is all over the place. There's no progression that way it's more like sideways broad ways. Mm-hmm. that's good but most people may not be that scattered i'd call it <laughs> so yeah so she's more you know a little more dedicated in one direction which uh, can lead to uh, a lot of success too but um i like being scattered because i i like uh, i like trying different things and looking around and like the, my next book is going to be on artificial intelligence i'm working on it right now the, the machine learning deep learning so i want to have a dystopian fiction on that I, that's that's a huge topic of course so i'm trying to read as much as i can about it right now and get ready to write a book on that but um i've never um i guess you can I, i've never looked back and resented anything you have to take your opportunities. I have all the opportunities. I have the time. I've even retired now. So I have the time to do whatever I want. And, um, so I'm trying to learn different things and, uh, doing podcasts like this is great. Meeting people like you too, and seeing what's going on. Thanks for that. It's it's fantastic. And, um, you've been messing with Chad GPT. I have not tried it yet, but it's, it's certainly fascinating stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's wild. Um, I think that uh, people are giving it a lot of credit right now, and I still think there's it's got a little ways to go. But at the same time, it is nothing less. You know, it's amazing. It's it's wild. Yeah, I mean, I could sorry to say this, but I could see them using it to do a, a, a virtual podcast. <laughs> like they're not using me; they're using some computer, and then. I don't know. I, who knows what, where this is all headed, but that's, that's going to be the theme of my book is, uh, the, uh, the double-edged sort of, um, 
Yeah. You know, I'm reading Ray Kurzweil stuff right now. So, cause, cause that guy, oh, that yeah. guy can really write and he's a good explainer. He's a great explainer. So, um, I'm reading his book, how to create a mind. I have not read, mm-hmm. I have not read the singularity is near, and he's just coming out with the singularity is nearer, but I'm going to read both of those. And, uh, he's great at, um, sort of pulling it all together. He's the real deal. He's done a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of hard work on that front, um, with, um, language detection and facial recognition and like he knows the neurophysiology and he also knows the technology the computing and the math so um you know that's just an interest i have i don't know maybe in a couple of years i'll write another non-fiction uh, totally unrelated uh um I'd, I'd like to do a book on golf actually because golf if i do a book on golf it's going to be humorous it's mm-hmm. not going to be serious it's going to be a funny book and uh i'd love to do that <laughs> so that i'm thinking about that actually um not yeah like 96 percent, 97 percent of golf is uh is is more for fun and uh camaraderie than competition which i'm i'm a competitive person uh i do my best at, you know when i'm when i'm hanging with my friends or going to have a round with my friends to to, to make it keep it friendly and and fun but man, I sure do like to compete. I, I oh, think yeah. that I think it's something that you know. Uh, I just want to get better every day. Yeah. So, anyways, man, Mark, uh, you are an excellent guest. I hope lots of people go out and read your book, buy your book. Uh, run daughter, run father. Is that correct? Run daughter, run father. I put the daughter first because she got me into it. So mm. uh, that's the order. And yeah, run daughter, comma, run father. It's available on, I'll give you the link, but it's available on Amazon and Apple and all the other retailers. Uh, yes. Perfect. Perfect. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, if you, if you're interested in that, please do click. Um, link will be in the description of on every platform that you're, that you're listening on. Uh, Mark, I appreciate you being on and we can't wait to, to hear from you again and, uh, uh, get another book out and, and read your, and read your current book, Run Daughter, Run Father. Thanks. It's been a pleasure being on your, your podcast that dad had and all the best, uh, moving forward with that. It's, it's, it's really nice to have one focusing on fathers actually. That's great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.